The following sermon is a ministry of Hilton Head Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at hiltonheadpca.com. You know, our original schedule was to be done right at 10.30. We're going to run a little bit long. <laughs> we're still going to get out and we're going to serve. But I realized something. If any day is a day that we should spend a little time together and gathering and hearing God's Word, today's a day. So, um, I won't go my normal length, but, well, I shouldn't say that, but, but, hear the word of the Lord, a psalm of David, ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength, ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The glory, the God of glory thunders the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in His temple all cry, Glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as King forever. May the Lord give strength to His people. And may the Lord bless his people with peace. This is the word of the Lord. May he add his blessing to the reading and to the hearing of it. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come and we ask you to teach us from your word. Would we know your great power? Would we be humbled? And would we receive strength and peace from you, the only one who can give it? To Christ be the glory in all things. Amen. I'm going to speak to parents of kids for a second. I'm a dad of three boys. It's okay to let them be a little loud today. And if you're sitting around them, let me encourage you with all the godly pastoral wisdom I can give you, get over it today. Um, How about that? Uh, So just enjoy them. I'm glad to have them in uh, together. Um, David wrote this psalm. He'd written some other psalms. One when he was out in the evening and he looked up, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is thy name. When I consider the heavens, your handiwork, stars that you've made, what is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou dost care for him. But you made him a little lower than the angels. And another day he went out at noonday and he saw the sun shining brightly. And he said, Lord, you're majestic like the sun that's in the sky. Creation and the power of creation inspired David and the psalmist to write This psalm is on the heels of a natural disaster, or at least, at the very least, an incredible storm. You see, this storm displayed thunder and lightning. 
Repeated within this, the voice of the Lord is another way for a Hebrew writer to have said the Lord's voice within thunder. When they were on Sinai, it said that the voice of the Lord thundered from Sinai. When He came and He spoke within the midst of thunder, it came and so they heard the thunder rolling. And He said it was over the waters. I spoke to a couple of folks who stayed during the storm. And they said the sounds of the storm were absolutely unbelievable. The loudness of the thunder, the wind whipping, and especially in our amphitheater on an island where all the water echoes the sound and pushes it forward. David said, I've heard that thunder. I know its might. He said it was powerful and it was full of majesty. It was so powerful that the thunder shook the earth. You ever been in one of those storms? Maybe it was this week. I remember as a kid sitting in a camper out in Amarillo, Texas, and a storm came through that part of the state, and our camper just shook when the thunder rolled. And David said, this is where I am. He said the lightning in verse 7, it flashed so much that it looked like when a log was being hewn or when a rock was being smashed, uh, that it would spark out all over the skies. That he was filled with awe and amazement. He said the winds were howling about. The storm here described by many as a train or the sound of many cars. This storm was so powerful. I've misunderstood this for years until preparing it this week. The storm was so powerful that in verse 9 it caused even the deer to go into labor that the shock and the awe of it caused them uh, to go into labor within it. It says the winds were so powerful that, that the trees of Lebanon, it said there, were, were skipping like a calf, and Syrian like a wild ox. It was saying that it swayed so much that it looked like the animals frolicking in the field. That's how powerful this storm was. And for many of us, we didn't experience it here. Some of you may have. But that's the storm that David is writing about in that context. And there was destruction everywhere. He says the cedars of Lebanon, which was a statement within the Hebrew of saying the strongest possible trees that were around, the tallest, the most mighty trees, he said they were snapped. They were utterly destroyed. That the forests were stripped bare. How many of you guys could say that the island has been stripped bare and Bluffton in certain parts is stripped bare? David walked out and he saw what we see. The incredible oaks bent over and twisted like toothpicks. Trees, it looks like God took his fingers and just went, and the limbs and all the leaves are gone over them, piled on top of each other. We've heard stories of some of you having to chainsaw your way in just to get to your front door. I walked by and went to a house yesterday with five trees leaning on top of this trailer. The mother was so ingenious that she took Walmart bags and she stapled them to the roof over her daughter's bed to catch the rain. A storm blew the trees apart, stripped it bare. That's the context. It's a pretty good context for us today, wouldn't you say? I think David can relate 
to us, and we to David, which then means the God of David, who was speaking through David, relates to us. And in the midst of this incredible, powerful storm, he says, I want to teach you a couple of things, and so I'm going to spend just a moment on these couple of things for us. The first thing it teaches us is this. We're to worship the Lord. Plain and simple, he begins, ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. He actually says, you mighty ones. He's saying, you people who think that you've got it all, you who are in places of authority and power within the world, uh, you need to ascribe to the Lord glory and power because you're not more powerful than a storm. It affects the wealthy and the poor in the same way. He said, you ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship or ascribe to the Lord in the splendor of holiness. He says it four times. Why do you think he says four times to ascribe to the Lord greatness? I think it's because we're a stubborn lot. I think it's because he said humanity thinks that they don't need to give to God what is due to God. And he said, I want you to understand in the midst of the devastation, in the midst of this display of power, in the midst of God, who didn't exert any energy to do this. It's not like God is tired like I am. I found out this week that you need hamstrings to cut trees. I didn't know that. <laughs> and they hurt a lot. And, and I'm tired a little bit of exerting energy. God's not. And he's saying to the people here, listen, I want you in the stubbornness of your human heart to give proper homage and worship to God in the middle, in the aftermath of a storm. I want you to see his power. And we're to give to the Lord the word that he says over and over again is glory. The word glory means weightiness. I want you to give to the Lord the significance due His name because He deserves it for who He is. Because if anything, it should, it should rock within us the weightiness of what's happening in the world. That there is nothing light and nothing fluffy about our God. That He has substance and weight and significance. And so the question then is, well, why should I do that? Some of you may be here this morning and go, why should I do that? I lost everything this week. Why should I turn my despair? Why should I turn everything that's happened to me, why should I turn it around into praise to God? He gives us a couple of reasons. The one is this, he's all-powerful. He says, the reason that you should do this is because of my incredible power. That's what verses 1 through 9 are saying. He's saying the power of the Lord displayed in the world should say to humanity, it shouldn't say as Captain Dan out there on the shrimp boat floating around in the middle of a hurricane, God, bring it on. Job would remind Captain Dan, or Lieutenant Dan, excuse me, Lieutenant Dan, hey, Lieutenant, why don't you step outside with me and gird up your loins like a man? And let me ask you, who told the oceans to come thus far and no further and rose the mountains up and laid the valleys low? Who says to the, to the thunder within the storehouses to be released within the world? The power of God demands that humanity know its place. Now that may not sound comforting to you, but it's actually the most comforting thing to know in the world. For a father or a mother within a home, it's incredibly important for the children of the home to know the authority of the parents, to say, I'm the parent, you're not. Not just because I want authority, but because by my authority I protect you and I love you and I give you what is best for you within this home. And God is saying the same thing, and so he sometimes needs to display it. He sometimes needs to roll up his sleeve. 
and to remind humanity. And so we see this God, this awful God. You realize that God's an awful God. But you need to go back a little bit in learning what the word awful means. Awful means awe-inspiring. That it means the positive connotations, worthy of or commanding of profound respect and reverential fear. That's the word awful. We serve an awful God. That we look and he commands awe-inspiring fear of going, if this God can do these things, what else can he do? What can he do with my soul and my life? If he can do this with nature. So there's this incredible power. Why? We also say in verse 10 that we give him praise and we give him glory and we drop and bend a knee to him because he's enthroned. It says that the Lord's enthroned. I've said to you for a long time now, quit watching so much of the news and quit worrying about November. I don't care who's our president. I really don't. I have my opinion, but I know this, neither of the candidates are going to save your soul. Neither of the candidates will offer to you eternal life. Neither of the candidates will do anything for you unto eternity. But the God who is enthroned and will never be moved and is unshakable and will offer you all things through his son, Christ. And the beauty is this. He already knows what's going to happen in November. And I haven't heard that he's worried. I really haven't. He wasn't worried about Nebuchadnezzar. He wasn't worried about Caesar. He wasn't worried about all of the kings and queens through all of history. He wasn't worried when Mao tried to kill all the Christians in China and now they're flourishing or all uh, the, the communists tried to kill all the Christians in Russia. Or Pol Pot tried to kill all the communists in Cambodia. It doesn't, doesn't faze him because his kingdom is enthroned and remains forever. And we worship him for that. And we also worship him, and I'll end with this. We worship him for his incredible provision to us. He says, I give you strength, and I give you peace. How many of you are a little bit tired? Yeah. It's hard to come home to a place you love and see it devastated. It's hard to come home and to see things washed out, flooded out. I walked into some apartments over in Tabby Walk. How intimidating to see men and women in hazmat suits walking into your apartment and ripping it apart with all of your belongings tossed out in the yard. To walk down some of these roads, to go into the plantations, to, to go into the neighborhoods here and see the devastation. And the Lord says, I'm going to give you strength because I have an infinite supply of it. And if you have my son living in you and you have the Holy Spirit blessing you and filling you, then you have that opportunity for strength as well. He says, and then I'm going to give you peace. Any of you lost a night's sleep worrying about things? Really? That's it? A couple of you? Good. <laughs> Good. But for others of you who've been doing this, pacing back and forth, wondering, getting really frustrated with FEMA, getting really frustrated with the church, getting really frustrated with everybody, all worried about everything, God says this, I'm going to give you shalom. I'm going to give you a flourishing that no world and no agency and nothing in this world can give you, but only I can. And it comes in this way, through his son. And as I end today, I want to introduce you to him. It's Christ. There is no other hope in the world than Christ. 
If God is not in control, then we are left to the impersonal forces of nature, to the impersonal forces of fate. Nothing has meaning, nothing at all. There is no hope. There is no confidence in anything. There is simply the incredible and destructive arbitrary force of nature and mother nature. But if there is a God, described like this God, this awful God, who is all-powerful, almighty, and all-sovereign, who is filled with majesty and wonder and glory, who is in control, then we can experience strength and peace in the midst of every situation, that we can survive the tempest roar, and we can find within the storm and in the aftermath of the storm a flourishing that is inexplicable and supernatural in nature. I invite you today to come and worship this awful God, this awe-inspiring God, and to be introduced to his son, the true king. And maybe for some of you, for the first time, to be introduced to this king and to bow the knee. So come, experience his power and his peace in the midst of the storm. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the goodness of your word. Thank you that you're a God who relates to us. You're not a God who sits outside of time and space but you are a God who entered it in the person of Christ Jesus. That you came and you related to us in every possible way. So God, for many who are here who are suffering, I pray that they find your peace today. Father, for the tears that have been wept, for the, the strong faces that they put on outside of their doors, but when they get home at night, they weep. I pray that you would be their strength and their hope that you would be their provision, that you would use this church and the other churches uh, on this island, the body of Christ, to provide for the needs of brothers and sisters across every line, racial lines, social lines, educational lines, economic lines. Those don't matter in the body of Christ. All are equal at the foot of the cross. And Father, we pray that you would, you would use your church, not just us, but your church, to be the hands and feet of your Son, Christ and that through the power of your Spirit, we would see lives forever changed, and that this island, and in Bluffton, and in all of Beaufort County, would thrive, because the God of peace has arrived. The King enthroned, ascribed to the Lord glory, ascribed to the Lord the glory to his name. Amen. Let's stand and sing about what we believe together. Sing to the Lord with all your hearts.